When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everybody, welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. Uh, let's see. Week one of the Marriage Therapy Radio Fantasy Football League is in the books. The Golden Donuts, that's my team. We won. I'm very excited about that. I have four fantasy football teams. They're all called the Golden Donuts. And the Golden Donuts were three and one this week, which is very exciting. Laura's team lost because she doesn't pay attention. And that's okay with me because all I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Seahawks won. That's pretty fun. If you're from Denver, sorry about that. I know that uh, some of you are excited about stealing our quarterback, but he lost and we won because 12 is greater than three. Okay. I promise you, I'm not going to bore you too much about fantasy football for the rest of the season, unless I lie, which I might. But this week we do a mailbag. We had a whole bunch of stuff come in, mostly through the Instagram and wanted to respond to some of those notes. Um, That always leads us in a very cool direction. I am excited to hear from you. I love knowing what's on your mind and it always makes us kind of think about different challenges from different perspectives. If you're not following us on Instagram, please do that at Marriage Therapy Radio. Uh, We're still in pursuit of our blue check. Uh, I think it's going to be a while before we get it, but uh, I think we can get there with your help. In the meantime, this is a very cool conversation. Stick around. Well, that was the S show of getting my kid off to school for the first day. First day of school. Second grade. Second grade. Yeah. Um, You know, I think I might've done something right actually, because I like to keep his hair high and tight, short on the sides, cute up top. And I just didn't get him in for his like, you know, first day of hair, first day of school hair cut. Yeah. So now he's going in looking all straggly or scraggly. I'm pretty sure he's going to get compliments from the older kids because that's the new look. Oh no. That's the cool new look. No, that's good. It's just, I think I've lost control now. I will no longer be able to cut his hair because he's going to get compliments on his wild hair. That's a thing. Moms know right now, like the long hair is in. Well, um, you lost control in the second grade. That that's, that's that's pretty good. I definitely have lost control. I, I dropped my 10th grader off at school today. I can't believe she's in 10th grade. Yeah. Holy and yesterday she, str- she sprung on us that she needed to go to the mall. I need to go to the mall. I need to get something. Do you know what she need to get? A bra. 
No, her belly button pierced. No. Yeah. I was Hold like, on. if mm. she's under 18, she needed to have somebody sign for her. Yeah. Mom went with her. I wasn't there. I was like, yeah. whatever. I'm totally, I've lost complete control. So I have no, well, every, uh, every parent knows that the moment a child pierces her belly button, she's having intercourse. So I mean, that's, <laughs> that's like the direct correlation, right? Well, I, I don't happen to share your philosophy in that, but <laughs> I mean, that's, that was when I was growing up, that was like the assumption. Oh, that's like, if you had weird. an earring and you're a boy, you were a drug dealer. I know if you had a cell phone, oh, if you had an earring phone. and you're a boy, you were gay. If you had a cell phone, you were a drug dealer. Uh huh. Or a pager. You were yeah. like a double. You were the drug dealer's drug dealer. You yeah. Pager. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, how times have changed. Oh my gosh. We missed you at the fantasy football draft. <laughs> it was really you know, fun. Wild. So, okay, tell me about it. I, I missed it, obviously. And <laughs> does the camera show how orange I look right now? Do I look orange? Because to me, I look orange. Do I look orange to you? Uh, you look. You look like you. You do look orange, though. That's for sure. Orange, orange. Yeah. You look like I'm going to take a picture of the way it looks on my screen. And you tell me if this is the way that I look to you. (laughs) All right. I'm going to send it to you. Okay. Tell me about the fantasy football. Uh, Well, we, we had, uh, let's see, we had three, three couples join us on the draft on the live zoom draft. All right. And we just chatted it up. We talked about stuff. It was pretty fun. They so wanted to know all about you. you, and they they gave you a bunch of um, uh, S for not yep. showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I told them that you were busy. What was I busy doing? I forget. You oh. were at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of important things going on this weekend. I was single parenting. Yeah, so this I was is in fact how orange you look. Yes, that is that is yes. it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, apparently okay. the pool treated me well this weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to get to know people. They got to meet Rebecca. Rebecca came in and said hello. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Did you get all the players that you wanted? I don't know how it's going to play out. It was uh, whatever, dude. It's it's going to be fun. Um, I'm playing. I said the other day I'm playing Pete in round one, but it's not round one. It's a week one. So I'm nervous. Starts this week. Who's Pete? They were definitely who's Pete? Yeah, Pete he's Carol? a guy that listens to the podcast that lives in South Carolina. Oh, oh, got it. You're gonna play Pete. I get it. Okay. Yeah, Pete. And I thought you were talking about like a, a player of yours. You were gonna. Play no, 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 no. You're against Pete. Yeah, it was funny. Like my brain was definitely doing my brain thing, and they were like, "Wow, your brain really does do that stuff," you know? Because I would just say random things that mean nothing, and they're like, "What's uh-huh. going on?" With some alliteration. And they had all questions. They had all kinds of questions about you. And I was like, she plays fast and loose with her calendar. Like sometimes she may, you know, do well, the thing that- to be fair, I don't think we actually talked about it being like a 5 PM situation. Or, and then I wasn't getting top. any sort of emails and you were like texting me at four forty-five, and you're like, Hey, so the draft starts in 15. I actually minutes. texted you throughout the weekend to find out if you're getting the emails and stuff. So it's oh, okay, yeah. dude. It's okay. It's okay. I, yeah. You're it's fine. Don't worry about it. But for um, the record, for those who showed up, I was not getting any of the emails and I was completely clueless on all of this. So I just went to the We need to call the Wambulance. Wambulance. Now, now when you don't do well this season, you're going to blame it all on the fact that you didn't get any emails. That's true. But the emails. But her emails. Uh, do you have anything in particular? It's a little early for me to get, like, get my brain online here. Uh, um, I've got a, we got a mailbag that we could do. Mailbag. This is from a while ago when you sent me this mailbag situation. 
there's a few from people that are all over the Instagram that want to talk to us about things that are going on for them. So I thought we could check okay. in with them. I think that's a really good idea. Like serve, serve the public. That feels smart. Yeah. Um, do you have the mailbag ones? Or? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I can read them Let's to you. Let's do it. I'm going to start with this one because this lady, she, she does something that I think is unusual about some of the mail that we get. A lot of the mail that we get, people are asking about their partner and how do they fix their partner and how do they do. And she's like, no, I have a problem. This is my problem. She says, my husband is a very affectionate person. His primary love language is touch. We have three children, 14 years, 19 years, 17 months. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Apparently they were affectionate at some point. (laughs) The two younger ones, the nine-year-old and the 17-month-old are very clingy and touchy. After a 10-hour shift as an RN, as a nurse, by the end of the day, I'm touched out and just don't want to be, and I want to be left alone. How do I give my husband when he needs, when I really don't want to? Even little touches like hand-holding or sitting close feel like too much some days. Do I just do it anyways? I have a lot of built-up resentment already. I don't want to add to it. But he's doing a lot of work on his end to make changes that I have requested, and I'm struggling on my end of the deal. Mm. What do you think? I mean, the first thing I think about is like being in that space of being overtouched, overstimulated. Um, I think we see it in a lot of different ways. Like even as a therapist, like we get, I get overtalked. I'm like, can Mm. we just not say any of the words? Can I not listen to you or whatever it might be? So I think there's different ways to get, uh, you know, overstimulated or. So you feel for her, you get it. You're like, I get it. Yeah. And I think anybody who's ever, you know, like had kids and had kids on your, on your nipples and breastfed and stuff like that. Like you definitely are kind of like, okay, my body needs to belong to just me and I need to be able to put some boundaries around it and have some control and not feel like I'm giving to anybody else because I've already gave too much. Um, so it's interesting because I think one thing that she's thinking about is she's thinking about how do I, when I'm home, give to my partner so that he gets what he needs in this relationship. And part of me is like, but there's another piece of that equation that I'm curious what she's doing, which is when she's at work, what is she doing to protect her space, her boundaries and all of that so that maybe she has something left in the tank reserve wise to come home to. So she's sort of thinking like, I'm already tapped out by the time I get home. So what do I do when I get here? I'm more interested in what are you doing to protect yourself when you're at work so that you have some something left in the tank to give to your partner when you come home. So okay. That's where I go with that. Okay. Uh, what I like about that is something I've been saying a lot, which is that a lot of times people talk about the thing. The thing might be the fight we had or the touching or whatever. And there's something that you can do about the thing which is probably my response, but you're talking about something, which is what do you do before the thing? Mm-hmm. So like before you get home and, or before the argument itself, what, what's being, what's in place to help protect you or protect the relationship from the thing. Mm-hmm. So, and you're talking I, about, I mean, I think it's just like more of a proactive way to think about it, right? Like she's already totally. aware that she's overdrawn. So I'm like, well, what are you doing prior to being overdrawn that protects that? Yeah, it could be anything, right? Um, like my husband woke up grumpy this morning. I'm like, what did you do yesterday to protect yourself from being grumpy this morning? Did you drink enough yeah. water? Did you go to bed at the right time? Whatever it might be, rather than being reactive to something that's just going going to happen inevitably. Yeah, so I think doing getting proactive, getting ahead of the curve is definitely part of it. The other part too, and I don't know if this will be 
uh, hopeful to her, but that's actually the point is sometimes I think you have to just try stuff out. Um, like if she understands the situation again, I'm very uh, encouraged by emails that say, Hey, this is something that I have a problem with. Not, not how do I fix my partner? You know, can she try it out? Like on Tuesdays, just go Tuesday is the night that I'm going to be snuggly or I'm going to be, um, I'm going to lean into this thing or, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it's almost like sensitivity training. Like, um, you can't expect her to change her entire personality or, frankly, the fact that her kids are needy or that her job, you know, means that she's in touch with people all day long, but maybe she can change a little bit of her own, the way, the way she shows up. And again, I'm not trying to say, yeah, your husband needs to do the touching and you gotta, you gotta show up and do the touch. It's more like, well, let's experiment a little bit. Let's see what you can tolerate. Um, yeah. let's see if you can linger a little bit longer. And, um, the other thing about physical touch is there's lots of expressions, right? She could, she could put her hand on his leg while watching a TV show and right. maybe he gets a little bit of what he needs without her feeling like she's the one who's being touched, you know, or being imposed upon. So I guess if I'm offering her anything in addition to what you said, it's more like experiment. Yes. Get ahead of the curve, but also like, let's experiment. Let's try some stuff out. Um, knowing that it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a hard thing to learn how to do. Um, but you, you're not talking about someone who is, all take and no give. You're in relationship with a partner who's doing his best to show up for you in the ways that you're asking. So we gotta gotta figure out how we can meet him halfway. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong too with her being able to communicate where she's at just preemptively. Like, send him a text message. I'm a huge fan of people giving heads up to their mm-hmm. partners so that he's not, you know, you he, she walks in the door and he wants to be affectionate and she rejects his touch. He's not going to internalize that and go, oh man, yeah. like she's she's not leaning into me. That's a her turning away from my bid for connection. But if she's on her way home and she's she's kind of thinking, I have nothing left. I can't even like try to explore, experiment. Yeah. You know, I'm tapped out. Um, give a heads up and say this has nothing to do with you. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm so over touched and stimulated. I really just kind of need to be by myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's just good language. The thing that I'm a little, um, she used the word resentment and man, I've been circling around resentment a lot with my clients and thinking about what do you do when you feel resentful or what does that even really mean? Resentment. Yeah. Renee Brown had an interesting way of describing it in her book. Uh, what was the name of it? Atlas of the Heart. Yes. Atlas of the Heart, where she kind of goes through def- different definitions and she talks about it, but she so resentment is when there's almost like this jealousy that you have for the, your partner's ability. So it might be like, I'm resentful or jealous of your ability to be physically affectionate without feeling overdone, overcooked, whatever it might be. And it's like this desire to have a quality that somebody else has and feeling, you know, hard feelings around that. Um, and I think when you start to think about it that way, sort of changes the resentment, the power of it. it almost feels yeah. like you have a little bit more control. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I like you're on the boundary side of the equation. I'm probably on the lean in side of the equation. Um, mm-hmm. just in terms of like kind of what, what options are available. The other one of course is, um, thinking about her coming home from work or whatever. And maybe she does send this text, but maybe also there's a built in expectation that at the end of the workday, we do, we do hug, for like 60 full seconds. 
um, if only to get past the uncomfortable part and let your body sort of do the work it needs to release some of those stress reducing hormones. Um, mm-hmm. John, of course, talks about the six second kiss, um, mm-hmm. which works for some people too, but something that is just like very specifically understood and predictable can often mitigate some of the mystery around like, I wonder if I'm going to have to touch, we're going to have to do the touching tonight. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say it like that, but you know, um, anyway, so hopefully that's helpful to this mm-hmm. lady. Her name's mm-hmm. Rhonda. <laughs> I hope we helped you Rhonda. Yeah. I, you know what is really Wait, funny that just that happened. That was hilarious. I hope you helped. Do we help you, Rhonda? Do we help help you, Rhonda? <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. Um, I love the random thoughts that it's like, let me share what happens to you in my brain. When you said Rhonda, I imagined how to spell Rhonda, and I really liked it because it's two consonants in a row. It's R and H, and you'll see that very yeah. often. And yeah. I was like, ooh, I like that name. And yeah. So, Rhonda, thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, if your family is anything like our family, then you have got medical stuff coming in and out the wazoo. And while we love our network, it's been hard to find the right doctor. It's kind of like, I don't know, man, it's kind of like looking for sushi. If you find good sushi, it's incredible. But if you get it, you know, from the gas station or something, it's not so much, right? So, so finding the right sushi makes all the difference. Same goes with finding the right doctor. We have learned how to use ZocDoc, where you can find the right doctor for you in your network and in your neighborhood. The other thing that's really cool is you can find doctors from across a variety of spectrums. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, that take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. We found somebody for skin. We found somebody for mental health. We found somebody for a back. We found somebody for teeth. We found somebody for a mole. I've got these things called skin tags I found out that are kind of sketchy. The app is as easy to use as uh, those rideshare apps and the uh, food delivery apps. But you just basically you search, you find your doctor, and you book with just a few taps. You can find and review doctors if you want, or you can read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. And when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. So go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that's right for you, book an appointment in person or remotely, something that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people are using ZocDoc. We are a new family to ZocDoc. We love it. It's my go-to app whenever I need to find something to book quality doctor, especially for one of my kids. So go to ZocDoc.com slash MTR and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for top-rated doctors today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MTR. ZocDoc.com slash MTR. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is from Shayna. Shayna is a rock star. She, uh, she listened to one of our podcasts. Her husband immediately joined the Dad Edge. If you haven't checked out her interview with Larry Hagner, you should do that, uh, especially yeah. if you are a man who's looking for a way to feel connected. And she totally bought herself a Dame product. Yes, I remember reading this email. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. She's uh, anyway. So, so we're doing something right. She uh, she has some ideas that she wants to hear about, and this is maybe similar. It's this idea of the transition into parenthood with a new baby and best practices to help you manage, help your marriage survive. Mm. What do you what do you, what what do you have in a nutshell for people who are like bringing their baby home? Yeah, I think the number one piece of advice that I find is that both of you are 
exploring and discovering things for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And I, this is advice that I think I picked up from bringing baby home when I started teaching that, I don't know, a decade ago. And it's that <clears throat> neither one of you has the upper hand. Like neither one of you knows how to get the baby to sleep better than the other person, or neither one of you is a better swaddler than the other. You're just going to do it differently. Uh-huh. And um, sometimes there is this contempt, this like greater than that comes where it's like, well, I read all the parenting books and all the baby books, the nine months prior to delivering this child. And so I know better. And let me tell you how you should be doing it. And that just throws the entire dynamic off of two people that are scrambling and discovering how to do baby together. And instead it's more like, well, you're the expert and you tell me how to do it. I don't know how to do it. So I would say, keep your comments to yourself. Let each of you explore and figure out what's going to work best for you when it comes to like rocking the baby to sleep. It's going to be different for each of you or feeding the baby or you know, swaddling the baby, whatever it is, but just allow there to be more of this uh, dynamic of each of you exploring rather than telling the other person how to do it. Right on. It's the first thing that comes to mind. What do you think? Yeah. Um, for me, there's two things. One uh, in particular, one is uh, it, I, my personal story informs this more than anything, but our first daughter, Abby, didn't sleep through the night for five years. And then that's not an exaggeration. Like she literally had like sleep trauma or sleep difficulties. And so we didn't sleep. Um, and that wreaks havoc on your body, on your mind, on your sort of mental health on, you know? And so for me, I think it's a priority to when you're, when you're introducing a new baby to really try and get as much as possible your head around the sleep thing. Um, and that's maybe not in a book and it's maybe not from your specific doctor, but it, it has to be something that the two of you understand is really important for you to crack together. Rebecca and I, at one point we took turns by week. You've heard me say this before. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so I would sleep for a week and then she would be a zombie and then she would sleep for a week and then I would be the zombie, but at least both of us weren't like totally out of Mm -hmm. our minds Mm -hmm. because you know, year two, year three, year four, this kid's still coming in in the middle of the night and we just had to figure out a way to survive, survive. And so for me, I think a a big priority is respect the physiology of it. And of course the woman's, the mother's physiology is much more, um, you know, complex, particularly when she's like created a human being and then Mm -hmm. pushed it out of her body or, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. kind of intense. And so it changes the way she literally exists inside of her skin. And so that is a big deal. That'd be number one. The other piece is, um, can I comment on that before you say the other piece? Of okay. I, I think if with any major change that happens in your lifetime, you have to kind of pump the brakes on recognizing like this is a season and this season we're getting back to kind of Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like I'm going to focus on the very basic things of getting food in my body that's nurturing me, that is lifting me up, giving me energy, not eating like crap. And I'm just going to focus on getting exercise, basic exercise, some sunlight, uh, eating well and sleeping. And so when you bring baby home, all of that kind of goes out the window. It's easy to focus on just trying to keep this little munchkin alive. But if you aren't meeting your other basic needs, it's all going to start to fall apart. And I mean, there's other times in life where maybe you have a parent that's sick or your, your spouse is significantly sick and you're caring for them you might forget to take care of some of those most basic needs. But I would say like 
just recognize your house is going to be a mess. You're probably going to wear the same pair of underwear inside out for the next week. Like the, things are going are going to fall apart around you, but just make sure that you're meeting your basic needs and that's all you have to worry about. And you will get through it. It's just a season. Right on. Um, then the other piece I was going to say is um, one of the things that happens is you get this baby that comes in and says, hey, can I have 100% of your love and care and attention and affection? Yeah. And she's not trying, the baby's not trying to ruin your relationship, but it will like, um, because if you give it a hundred percent, you won't have anything left over for one another. And so something about making sure that you carve out and protect some time for the friendship, forget, forget the complicated stuff yet, just remain friendly and kind and, Mm -hmm. and connected because that is the sustaining energy for a long-term relationship. But um, it may mean that you need to just sort of dial up the, the, um, the extra compassion while, while you're not, while you're not sleeping. Um, but then make sure you're also like catching a movie every now and again, or make, or take a walk and talk about something that's not, you know, connected to your, your stress levels. Um, protecting the friendship is a really big deal when it comes to bringing a new friend into the house and making sure that you sort of give them what they ultimately need, which is secure attachment at the top of the, mm-hmm. of the house. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're still connected to each other. Um, so those are, I don't know, maybe kind of really overarching. Uh, yeah. I feel like they're pretty generic, but I, I would say that when it comes down to it, like, geez, take care of yourself. If you're not taking care of yourself or taking care of protecting your relationship, then how are you supposed to take care of another little human being? coming into your life. It's kind of like, uh, make sure you have your base levels figured out. Like at a, at a base, we're going to be friends and at a base, I'm going to be fed and slept and I'm going to be ready to take care of another human being. But you did mention, Ooh, secure attachment. I want to do like an entire episode on attachment styles because that has just really been kind of rocking me lately. Yeah. Yeah. It's an area definitely that I am curious about learning more about. So we can definitely definitely chase that down somewhere. Hey friends, it's me, Laura. Let's talk about Dame products. You already know that I'm a huge fan of Dame products. You can go to dameproducts.com and get 15% off the entire site when you enter the code MTR. But I wanted to tell you specifically about the air and why it's important. So here's the deal. Having a pleasure practice, it's good for you. It can improve the quality of your sleep. It can help you de-stress, relieve pain. It even gives you that sort of lit from within glow as you go about your day. But most importantly, exploring your pleasure on your own, it helps you to get in touch with yourself and learn more about what you like. So that's right. It leads to better sex. So check out AIR. It's the suction vibrator from Dame Products. AIR is a powerful arousal tool for your fans of oral stimulation. Dame's AIR creates thrilling pulses of air and soft seal around your clitoris that you can go all the way, right away. And not only is it perfect for beginners, but it's also waterproof and it features five intensities and five vibration patterns so that you can explore what works for you. And the best part is that Dame products, they offer a hassle-free return within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. So power up your pleasure with air or any other toys from the Dame products. Go to dameproducts.com and use the code MTR for 15% off site-wide. 
That's code MTR to take 15% off of your first order at dameproducts.com. Do we have another another question? Or yeah, we, we have two more. We, um, oh, okay. oh. This one is, uh, this is challenging, right? Uh, this lady wants to know, can a marriage survive alcoholism when trust is lost and you know you're not the priority? Um, the Jekyll and Hyde personality, the results from drinking and exhausting mentally. Um, yeah, dude, like this is a, this is a really hard one. Alcoholism or active addiction is what's sometimes called a uh, comorbidity. Um, meaning that there's a, there's a, there's an extra and significant stressor on the relationship that's unrelated to the marriage. Um, that could also be, um, something like severe ADHD, or it could be the fact that your partner's a quadriplegic or is, um, you know, has PTSD from the war or whatever, but there's basically, it just means that there's something significant that's going on, um, that is making relationship health, uh, problematic. Um, and, you know, alcoholism is a wicked disease because it has, um, it doesn't really care about your relationships. And, um, so I think the, the yes or no answer is yes, it can survive, but it does have to come from addressing the comorbidity first, meaning that if there's a sort of an alcoholic partner in the relationship or there's an act, you know, a, a, an alcohol abuse disorder, that clearly has to be uh, sort of grappled with and dealt with in order to create the sort of the baseline trust that's needed to do relationship stuff. So I, I want to sort of say two things. Like I want to say, yes, absolutely. You, you can survive alcoholism for sure. Um, but it's not without its challenges. And that does have to start with the person who is, um, who is afflicted. We'll say afflicted. So you said something that I want to go back to, which is, you said alcoholism, or uh, let's see here. How did you put it? Alcoholism doesn't really care about your relationship. No. And something really powerful that you said, and I don't even know if you noticed it, is that you separated it. You almost like personified alcoholism. Mm -hmm. It's separate from the individual. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a, a powerful moment for me to hear you say, because it's so easy to make your partner the alcoholic and mm -hmm. to internalize that and begin to look at them with such critical eye and with such resentment. But when you can start to tease out and separate, this is, and I kind of heard it like the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? You can kind of notice the shift happening yeah. where there's the separation between my partner and the alcoholic or the alcoholism um, yeah. or the disease. And I, I do that often with my clients where I will have them name something just to separate it. It's not who you are. It's something yeah. that is a part of you. Um, and I don't know. I just wanted to make note of that, that I, I really appreciated the way that you separated that from the, from the yeah. human being. Bob Navarra, who is um, a friend of ours and who is specializes in a lot of um, sort of alcohol treatment within a relationship, he has a really good sort of image. I don't know if it's his or not, but he sort of talks about how, Part of the problem with alcohol um, is that, uh, you know, let's say, let's say I'm the drinker. I'm standing here. My partner's over here on my right and we're holding hands. And then over here on my left is alcohol. And they're, and they're, the two of them are pulling me in different directions. Mm -hmm. And that is, that tears sort of at the fabric, right? It creates the Jekyll and Hyde situation. What Bob's metaphor is, is he sort of talks about how 
the two that you and the partner need to hold hands while moving alcohol out and to the front, moving out in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so that the two of you are facing it together as a, mm-hmm. as a metaphorical challenge mm-hmm. to the relationship, not as this sort of third thing or rather this other thing that's sort of pulling the two of you apart. Mm-hmm. I, I, it makes clear, perfectly clear sense in the way that I'm holding my hands out, but nobody can see, but it's like <laughs> you, you need, you need um, to recognize that this thing, um, and really any comorbidity or any, any external stressor, we need to sort of put it out there so that the two of us can look at it together and figure out how to, how to combat it. But, uh, you know, alcoholism is a unique one because it, particularly in the AA tradition, there's a whole, there's a whole sort of set of kind of thinking around powerlessness and around lack of control and around, mm-hmm. um, and so for the alcoholic who isn't aware of that, um, they can feel like they have more control than they do, which makes it really hard to say, yes, this needs, this made, this needs attention. Right. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I don't know if that's helpful to you. Um, I, I but, think bottom, bottom line too, is get some help, get some, get some, like find a therapist sure. that can specialize that specializes not only in Bob Navarro is a great place to start check out his website and I'm sure he has some great referrals, but like find a therapist yeah. that specializes in this particular morbidity and working with couples. Because if you find maybe someone that specializes in this comorbidity, but not specializes with couples, I mean, that's, that's, some it's a, you're going to have to research a lot, but I think it's out there. The other thing I would say too, is, um, for the, for the gal who's writing this note, um, I think, you know, something like Al-Anon can be a great resource for you personally. And I'm not a 12 step like evangelist. I'm not trying to get you to like join a group, but the thing about groups like that of any sort is you can get more language about what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And you can sort of become to understand that you're not alone and that there are ways that you can grapple with this that are not just things that have to be imagined out of the sky. Like people are doing this every single day, trying to figure out how to stay in and stay loving with people that, that are struggling. And so, um, if, if all else fails, you know, definitely take care of your side of the street. And one of the resources that you can use to do that is, is Alan mm. or something mm. similar. Yeah. Um, we're going to be quick with this next one. Or do you want to save it for another episode? We've been married for almost a year. We argue a lot. It's stupid things. And I let it go because it doesn't matter. But he stays mad at me for days over the smallest stuff. And when I make a mistake, I feel like super bad. And I try to do better. And then a month later, I'll make another mistake completely on accident. And he gets mad again. He thinks I'm not listening to him. I feel like the worst wife all the time. And he doesn't seem to care. Please, I really need help. I love him. And I want to make him happy. But my heart is breaking. Oh, sweet girl. Um, yeah, what do you think? I mean, the first thing... <laughs> Like that is what marriage is. Like you're just yeah. constantly screwing up and saying, gosh, man, I, I did it again. Yeah. Because you're just two unique human beings. Like you're going to yeah. put dishes in the dishwasher the way that you have been putting them in the dishwasher for the last 30 years. And it's going to frustrate your partner. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting <clears throat> because I mean, the first thing I jumped to was, Oh, he's staying mad for days. I want to work mm-hmm. with him on, on that. Like I, I've had a lot of sort of almost like hypervigilant clients recently where they hold on to things. Um, and, it, and interestingly, I've been reading about attachment styles. So 
I kind of want to, she's asking about herself, which I really appreciate, but I also am dealing with the other piece of the equation, thinking about why is it that he's holding on to these things? And um, conflict resolution is intended to bring you back together. It's intended to have you repair. And hopefully, I mean, we have sort of this, you say, no less than an hour after the fight, but no more than 24 hours after of hey, I've calmed down. I want to talk about why this is frustrating for me. And so part of me is kind of curious and it might go back to the partner saying like, how can I, how can I help repair with you when you are frustrated with me continuing to do the wrong thing, which I'm going to continue to do? Like, yeah. I don't want you to take it personal, but I, w- I need you to know that I am going to make mistakes and yeah. we are going to frustrate each other and we're going to trip over one another and that's going to happen. It's inevitable. But how can I help repair with you sooner and faster? What is it that you're needing? And I had this conversation yesterday with clients and I said, I think it's validation. I think he needs to feel like you're validating his feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and he corrected me, said, no, it's accommodation. I need to know that she is actively doing something to make it better, Uh that there is an actual step. And I thought that was really important because he corrected and he said, no, she's nailing the validation. I need the accommodation. I went, oh, that's really helpful for her to know. I'm so glad you said that out loud. So I would try and make some space to have him be able to clarify with her of what is it that he's looking for and needing in order to repair faster and sooner from her. And it might be something that he needs to do internally for himself as well. Right on. Um, I like what you're saying in terms of like, there's a, um, there's an idea that you can um, sort of like we said at the top, part of this is getting ahead of it before it even starts, right? Like we're just human beings. We're kind of broken. We're going to mess up. Like that's kind of the deal. We're only yeah. a year in. We're still sort of sorting out, finding the rules. The second piece is like, dealing with it while it's happening. And I think particularly for this guy, like he needs to learn how to sort of manage his own, um, sort of shutdown emotions. Maybe he's doing that for very good reasons, but, um, the prescription is something like at least, at least 20 minutes, not more than 24 hours. There has to be sort of a circling back, closing the loop. And then after it's over, like, what can we learn from this? Like, what is the, what's the thing that we can take away? How do we learn how to apologize or sharpen in on what's actually needed here? Um, all of those are really, um, you know, critical strategies at this point. Um, so I like, I like where your head's at about all Can that. Can I say something? So I've been reading this book, Polysecure, which is the book club book right now. So everything I read, I start thinking about it through that lens and it's attachment lens. And one of the sort of, uh, I would say hypotheses that I might have about him is somewhere along the line. I think he learned he couldn't rely on someone, right? Like, and it could have been, a a childhood attachment figure. It could have been a parent, a grandparent or whatever. But sort of the assumption is that when I reach for you, I can't rely that you're going to be there and it's not going to be something that I can trust is going to be there and I'm let down. And so I've sort of learned over time that if I get let down or somebody hurts me in some sort of way, then I just kind of shut down or I become self-reliant and I say, I don't need that anymore. And so I go away rather than making myself vulnerable to being hurt again. So that's kind of the assumption that I'm making about this gentleman that I know nothing about other than he gets hurt or let down and then he shuts down, right? Like he gets, he stays away for a long time. It takes him a long time to cool off. But 
the reason why I'm talking about this is the good news is through repetition of her staying consistent and staying a secure base for him, he can actually change that, but it does take time. And I find like a lot of relationships when they first start out, if it's a year or two that they've been together, you bring your attachment in, it might be insecure or disorganized or whatever anxious attachment. And as you work through these things and you repair over and over and over and over, he begins to become more secure over time. So that's, that's where I'm at is I think there's a lot of hope. Well, and again, we've sort of circled back on the thing. I think the the lady who wrote the first email, she was really trying to own her part of it. I think when it comes to living with an alcoholic, like you Mm -hmm. do have to take care of your side of the street, whether that's Alan or whatever else. And this lady, you know, she can do the same thing, which is just make sure that you are, you know, taking care of you and make sure that you are as mentally astute and as healthy as you can be independent of your partner. So that when you do bring that to the relationship, it's not, you're not on shaky ground. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, I have to mention poly secure is not the book I would recommend for all folks. This is a a book that's talking about being in a relationship with more than one person and staying secure. So, but it talks a lot about attachment. Right on. Yeah. All right. Well, should we land this plane and I can go on and have my first cup of coffee. Yeah. Laura heck without coffee this morning. My brain is not not rattling. It, it, when you have your coffee, you stop being orange. You turn into like your regular color person. I'm so Oompa Loompa right now. I don't <laughs> understand it. Um, yeah, let's land it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. And thank you in advance for all of the grace extended for sometimes our subpar quality of audio. That's just simply because Zach and I live busy lives. We want to continue to put out episodes every week. And sometimes we come in a little hot and our audio is not great. But we wanted to make sure that we put out an episode for you. So thank you in advance for your patience as we don't nail it every episode. But we do appreciate you. Thanks for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.